Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have Angelo Ponzi, who is a marketing architect. He has more than 25 years of marketing experience, both inside and outside of companies, ranging from semiconductors to financial, to restaurants, to beverage, to ice cream. As a fractional chief marketing officer, he helps define market opportunities, develop competitive profiles, and you name it, all sorts of marketing strategies. Uh, let's get right to it and say welcome. Welcome to Angelo. Joni, thank you for having me and thank you to your listeners for joining in today. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. We can always use more uh, strategies on marketing. And I was really interested in having you on because, you know, I have a lot of nerds on the show. And I was thinking, you know, you even call yourself a marketing nerd, right? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean that in the most positive way, right? I actually looked it up. I was like, wait a minute, Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It means you're devoted to a particular activity or field of interest. In this case, it is marketing. So is yeah, that sound absolutely. right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, it, it it's about being passionate and dedicated and, you know, you you can call me any name you want. As my my dad would always say, you can call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Oh, so I'm good with anything. I, I'm pretty much with that, good with that as long as there's a mocha on the other side of it. I've <laughs> <laughs> got some pretty creative ones at, this, at the coffee shops. Um, well, let me ask you, what drew you to the field of marketing and, you know, what keeps you there? Well, you know, it, it's about solving problems and and that's always been something that I focused on over the years. And, and as I got to go through school and understand what marketing was all about, I realized that that it gave me the ability to help companies solve problems. Now, of course, early, earlier on, I was attracted to the creative side. And I did take a little vacation, I'll call it, uh, on, uh, to try to figure out if I had some creative ability. Um, and an art director friend of mine took me under his wing for about about two weeks. And then he came up to me one day and said, all right, you're horrible. You need to go back into the marketing side and back the numbers and back to research and do the things that you're really good at because you just you understand creative. You understand what's good, which I do. But I just don't have that aptitude to actually do the creative, if that makes sense. Right. It I know does. what's good. I know it works. Um but I just, it's just not me. I need to pause you for a second, Angela, because this is actually a huge uh, pet peeve of mine because so many people today aren't getting that feedback that they need. And for you to actually hear it, I'm sure it wasn't uh, welcome or, you know, a fun thing to hear, but it helped you immensely in your career. So finding out what your strengths are, you know, and maybe what you're not as good at is extremely helpful. Well, it's like anything in, in starting a business and you mm -hmm. know, it's the failures, if you will, that help you learn and get mm -hmm. better at the things you're good at. I don't consider myself that I failed at the creative art direction kind of thing. I just was horrible at it. And so <laughs> there was there was no failure. It was just plain and it, obvious. 
it was two weeks and there was not any time for that yeah you learn quickly that's always better than two years right exactly exactly and and so i've always been able to to look at you know the side that i really where my foundation is and to understand that you know either the client needs to pivot or needs to grow or it could be a technology problem or it could be we're not getting enough butts in the seats you know whatever that problem is is to figure out a way to to solve it and that's where marketing for me comes in right a lot of people say marketing in the first place they want to go to our website digital marketing you know ads and magazines television that's the that's the end product and and i know i need we're going to get there at some point in time but there's such other great foundational work that needs to be done in order to make sure that that the tactical stuff the investment that you're making in marketing really pays off and it just doesn't turn out to be some expense. So this is what your strength is in marketing, because obviously to keep you in for 25 years, you found that you're really good at it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's where I've always been, even when I was on the agency side of the business and mm-hmm. I've, I've worked for small agencies and worked for very glo- large global agencies that worked and grew my own agency. I was always the guy on the marketing side and the strategy side, providing input to the creators, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and watching them create based on the input that I gave, based on the foundational work that I've done. I, I think I might've even mentioned at one point in time, this was only just a couple of years ago. I actually designed, I've worked with software companies. I actually designed software and I knew what I needed to be done, but you know, I could have never coded that thing in a million years, but I was able to impart my vision and what needed to be done for the client. And so, you know, that was that collaboration, right? Because the, the, the tech, people on the other side were the, were the creative team. They were the creators and we collaboratively worked together to make sure that ultimately the client's problem was being solved. Excellent. I mean, and that's actually, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you about, um, I'm going to jump to it right now, since you're sort of on the topic of working with software folks too. I mean, um, so what is it that, that you do with, with technical folks and what are they missing? Like, how would you, um, communicate with them better. And like you said, you were able to impart your vision there. So I'm curious, like what it's like for you working with technical people. Well, so many times um, when I'm brought in, I've worked with a lot of startups in the SaaS world. I've worked mm-hmm. with custom software developers and things like that. So many times, depending where they're at, there seems to be more of a focus on the, the you know, the features functions of, of the product and not the value so when I work with technical people, it's like, you know, what's the value that we're going to deliver, right? How we get there and how you develop it and code it is almost insignificant in the sense compared to what's going to benefit the client. And, and to me, that's what we're always trying to solve. It's, it's what's that old saying, don't tell me how you built the watch, just tell me what time it is. I mean, it's that kind of approach. And, and so really helping to get beyond the technical aspects of what they're doing to about the functional value and, and the emotional connection as well to the client. Mm. And I've worked with a bunch of startups over at the UCI and some of the other universities, as mm-hmm. well as in some of the, the um, what do you call them, accelerators. And so many times when I'm meeting with a, a startup, for example, they're telling me all the, you know, the whiz bang things that their product does and how they made it and you know, how they made the sausage. Right. And I just want to know how good it's going to taste. And, and so really taking that perspective. And the other thing I always recommend to technical people and developers like that is at the end of the day, just like I did in marketing, you're going to fall in love with your product. 
And that's great, but you need to make sure that there's a demand and the market wants your product as much as you want your product. And so I always encourage some kind of market test beyond mom and dad and brother and sister and your mm -hmm. best friends. They're always going to tell you it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, almost always. Right. But you got to get out to the people that are going to actually buy it. That's that's where the rubber uh, meets the road. No, I, I, I think that's great advice because it is easy to fall in love with your own product. You know, that was called the baby. Right. You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, and sometimes seeing other people's perspectives uh, can be very different. Um, I want to uh, rein us back for a second, though. And, you know, it makes me think about, you know, this whole customer experience and customer perspective. But you do something different than just putting out the word out there. You're deeper. You're on the strategy. I'm wondering what the difference is between what you do and what these digital marketing firms do. Sure. Well, from from my standpoint, I, I'm. I'm digging into the market, the competition, your prospects, your current customers, your mm -hmm. internal data, if you have it. I'm trying mm -hmm. to uncover the story that needs to be told. The customer, and, and, and go back to the marketplace and talk about customers and prospects. If you're in multiple vertical markets, what your solution provides in one vertical may not be as relevant in a different vertical. And so, you, so by understanding who is buying, what are their needs? What are their wants, motivations, behaviors, or do we need to change behaviors? That is the kind of the foundation, the blueprint as marketing right. architects, we talk about the blueprint. That's the blueprint that we're developing so that, so the digital marketing folks and the website folks and the TV and radio and print, whatever, that are going to execute and, 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 you know, create the touch point they have a better understanding of how to communicate, what's relevant. What I might say to you in a particular ad might be very different than I'm going to say to someone else. So, but if I don't know you and I don't know what motivates you and I don't understand your vertical market, I'm just going to be saying something that's potentially generic and therefore I'm not going to have relevancy and you might not get, you know, the click or the inquiry or the call to action that you're looking for. That, that for me is the big difference. As a matter of fact, many, many of my customers, I won't say all my customers, but a, a portion of them are actually digital firms and other marketing firms that mm -hmm. are hiring me because of one of my core competencies right. is market research. And so they, they tend to hire me to do market, use my market research skills and people to do qualitative or quantitative or predictive modeling and analytics. And then from there, typically, because we know so much, we end up doing a lot of the messaging and positioning work and the brand work, brand from a word standpoint, right? How we craft who we are, our personalities versus the visual execution. And then we write plans and, and then, then we do the executions, right? So it's, we don't start, you know, it, it, we start with the end in mind, but we don't start executing it with the end in mind. We wait till we have all the, the due diligence, if you will. All right. So here's the big question then, Angelo. So you say you work with a lot of digital agencies there, but also you work with a lot of tech companies, right? Mm -hmm. Even including yes. Semiconnector and all that. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the uh, challenges that you have when you're working with technical people and, um, you know, and how they can think more strategically about marketing? Well, I think the biggest is is to step back and to understand the market and the customer. 
Because in some cases, the customer may not be the person that you're talking to. And what I mean by that is you might have someone who, let's take software, for example, company decides they want to bring in a new software product. Well, the person that initiates the evaluation may not be the person that evaluates. And that person who writes the check may not be the same person. So you might have multiple people that you need to talk to, if you will, within an organization to make sure that, that things are being triggered. So those are those are personas, right? What's the, who are the personas or what other personas of the people that you're trying to talk to? And I, and I think that by understanding as you're building product, it, and I'm, I'm going to take a quick segue to a telemedicine mm-hmm. company I worked with. Mm-hmm. So they came to us, they're, they're building this product, this software solution. And they had a list of 25 features that they thought they needed to build in, build into this product that the, the docs would like, right? The doctors. And so we actually went out into the marketplace and we surveyed doctors mm-hmm. to try to understand what was important to them. And at the end of the day, a long story, very short, it was only five features that were really important for, for the initial launch. Yeah. yeah. And so we not only saved them the amount of money they needed to raise, we got them to market quicker because now they weren't developing for three or four years, you know, they were done within a year. And so by understanding that prior to doing all that development, they were able to to be more efficient in in the development process. And so I just went through this with a SaaS product uh, just recently in the uh, business process management space. Internal uh, software solution was created by a a law firm. Mm -hmm. And they thought, hey, we got a great idea here. Maybe we should take it to market. So they were smart enough to say, well, let's go out and find out if the market will buy it. Part of that process was how many competitors are out there. So we do a lot of competitive analysis. And what we found early on, there were 450 other competitors in the marketplace. So now you're a new company coming into the market. How do you position yourself in in that craziness that of all those different competitors. And so part of the process was trying to identify where the niche was. Once we identified a place we thought we could go, we went to the marketplace and surveyed people that either used the product or used something or used Word or Excel to manage their processes and, and got them to tell us what was important, tell us how they did it, tell us what competitive products they used, tell us why they liked or disliked those products, tell us what they paid for them, and then we were able to define a direction and a position for them in the marketplace. And then based on that knowledge, we were able to craft their messaging that they could use to be relevant to the different vertical markets they were targeting. If they had just rolled it out into the marketplace, it, it probably would have failed. Mm-hmm. So how early on in the process do you recommend getting involved? I mean, like when the, the developers are out there putting together a product, I mean, and how much, you know, is it, is it, you know, a lot of times they say like, oh, if I'm a startup, I may not have the budget or, you know, where, where are you on that spectrum? Yeah. So I, I say, you know, obviously not at the, well, it can be done at the idea stage, but usually mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little farther along and, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we add? What's important? What are the features? You know, those kinds of things mm-hmm. that we could go out and do testing. And, and we, them, it doesn't really matter whether it's a, kind of a formal quantitative study or whether it's, I call it grandmother research or sticking your toes in the water, just Mm -hmm. going out to do some informal Mm one-on-ones, not again, not with relatives or your best friends, people (laughs) within the office, but actual people who might buy or people you, they know in the marketplace, if if they're there developing a, 
if you are there, I'll say you because you, to your listeners, if you're developing a, a new solution, you just didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to develop this and never talk to anybody and start the process. So you did some due diligence. You have some connection. Use those connections throughout the process to make sure you're validating and, and help keep you on track. It's too easy. I call it when you're in the boardroom talking to yourself to all start nodding your head and agree that what you're saying is, is the right thing, but not necessarily. And I got tons of stories that'll, that can tell you and, and point to why that's not the case. So that's the biggest encouragement. And, and it can be done early on with just some, you know, again, grandmother research and it gets more sophisticated or, or they're going after funding and maybe they need more validation to prove that there's a, mm-hmm. there, there's a viable opportunity in the marketplace. And that's where we could get into more quantitative studies and those kinds of things. But I always encourage, no matter what, some kind of due diligence is done within the marketplace to make sure that, that, you, you know, that the product is, I'm sure it's a viable product, but it has an opportunity to succeed. Like I said, with the other one, 450 competitors and here they come and their, their product wasn't as robust as half of them in the marketplace. Interesting. Yeah. So do they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars developing or do they figure out what they have and figure out the niche that's more likely to buy it at this point in time, which is what we did. So we allowed them to get to market with some minor changes versus spending years continuing to the development phase. Yeah. So this is really a, like, I guess it's obvious here, but it's a strategic approach as opposed to uh, necessarily just being first to market or uh, running with what you think is the best product. It's really seeing what the needs are out there and, and what would resonate with people uh, who are your potential buyers. Right. I call the, and the flip side, the, the folks that do that, I call it the, the field of dream syndrome, right? Build mm-hmm. it and they will come, mm-hmm. you know, that and hope is not a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have, um, several guests on my podcast who work with technical folks with nerds, right. Um, who aren't like necessarily, they might be nerds themselves in a different, uh, field, but, um, and technical people sometimes are, are hard to work with, you know, very uh, smart, knowledgeable, um, and uh, know a lot about their skills, right, of, pro- of development and all that. And so I'm curious, you know, when you're giving them advice on how to be better to work with as a consultant or a chief uh, marketing officer or something like that, um, what would be your ideal technical leader? You know, how would they look like to interact with and how would they communicate with you for a good mentoring relationship? Good question. Um, I, I, for me, it's always been about respect of the skill set, mm-hmm. right? If somebody, I mean, someone brings me in and then doesn't want to listen, <laughs> then, then why am I there? And, and the same kind of thing is to have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to build and respecting, you know, what the vision is. And as that is being developed, working collaboratively, and that's, and that's a big word for me because it's really important, right? We don't go away in isolated silos and then show up in three months and ta-da, you know, here's right. a marketing plan, here's a product, mm-hmm. right? So we have to go back and forth. So as the tech team is building something and we're, and we're collaboratively looking at features or what the thing is supposed to do. We're in the marketing side, right? We're testing it. We're also looking at 
sales opportunities and pricing points to make sure that we're all kind of working together for that final solution. I worked with a, a company and it really was a SaaS product. It was in the educational space. And the gentleman that I had met had created this, actually it was chapter 10 in his book. And then as time went on, people started commenting on that chapter and he decided to actually build a product. He had no, no technical skills whatsoever. He was a, in the environmental engineering space. He was retired for 10 years and decided he was going to build a tech company. And when I got there, he had already had the framework of the product. He had hired somebody to build it in Excel. And I, it, which never, never worked. Yeah. And I, and I explained to him, you know, on a collaborative basis, this is great. I love the fact that we can test it, but if there's no scalability to it, mm-hmm. most people won't have the right Excel that, that make it work because they're using the latest, which means they're going to either have to go buy it. We're going to have to give it to them, or they're going to have to sign up for that seven day free service, do our program in seven days and get rid of it. And so there was all these complications. So I, it, it took a while. And he finally listened and we developed software to solve all the problems and to make it scalable. So we could have multiple users on it at the same time. We could collect the data because ultimately it was about the data because we were determining how someone could pick their career at, at a high school level mm-hmm. before they went to college. Well, the model would show them the best career path, but ultimately until we could tie their freshman year to their graduation and years beyond, mm-hmm. you know, that proof points. So we needed to know that ultimately we needed the things we needed to do five and six years from now and tie that person back to all the things that they learned. And we told them they should be doing to help validate the product. We, we knew we were already initially validating and people were picking the careers that they were being identified for them. And we get emails and letters saying, this is fantastic. I love it. I'm having a great time in school. It looks like I'll mm-hmm. graduate in four years and all those wonderful things. But ultimately, there was you know, a disconnect that we had to deal with. So that was the situation. It took time, but you know, the, the people listened and understood that marketing could help guide the development and what the product really needed to do. I know what I need. Like I said, I know what I needed to do. I certainly could have never developed that. Mm-hmm. But because of the vision, we were able to communicate with the, the technical team. And, you know, we work collaboratively to bring that product to market. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, collaboration is a word you've used a few times and I just can't uh, emphasize that enough because that's actually one of the things that comes up so often in, in tech companies too, sort of like uh, product and developers and, you know, engineers and uh, marketing um, you know, having different goals, I guess you might say, uh, and not just different goals, but different priorities and mm-hmm. uh, having those conversations and, and listening to each other to understand. It seems to me like part of what you're saying there, that if they aren't listening, why bother being there? Right. Um, yeah, exactly. I, whenever I work with a company and I would say nine out of 10 times, I get to do this, but I do an alignment. And I do it with the stakeholders mm-hmm. because my point is I can't develop a plan, develop branding, messaging, whatever it happens to be. I can't even do a research study if all of you don't agree mm-hmm. the direction that we're going in. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you don't agree now and I show up you know, 90 <laughs> days later, you're going to basically say you're not going to agree then. And so I've just you've just wasted a lot of money and I've wasted a lot of time. So that's usually the first step is to get everybody 
on the same page and agree that this is the brand, this is the brand personality, you know, all those mm -hmm. different aspects. It, it, and again, it doesn't solve all maybe the internal problems, but for me as a marketer, it gives me that direction that I can count on because I've, I've already got that buy-in and I think that's important. That's excellent. I mean, really getting everyone in and, and perhaps even facilitating that, you know, when they bring you in and saying, hmm, yeah, something people need to think about because it's often sometimes when people hire outside, it's because they have an agenda and somebody else isn't agreeing. So when you're like, no, we got to get this in up front here and make sure you're all aligned. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit about your own podcast, because you also host one as well, Business Growth Cafe. Can you tell our listeners what they would expect on that? Sure. So uh, very similar to this, that it's uh, in most situations, it's a it's with a guest, sometimes multiple mm -hmm. guests, sometimes it's just me talking. But uh, the goal, the, the Business Growth Cafe was created out of the idea of sitting around a coffee shop having a conversation like we're mm -hmm. doing today mm -hmm. and it's a business advice show. And so I, the guests I bring on, we all, you know, they're telling their story, how they grew their business, whatever it happens to be. But the idea that I tried to pull out of it is, you know, what were your challenges? What kept you up at night? What are the things that if you could do over again, you know, all those, you know, what were your distribution strategies, your pricing strategies? So I'm trying to pull out information that the listeners can, hopefully put in place and say, Hey, that I'm reflective of that, or that's mm -hmm. interesting. I should think about it. So everything from other marketing people to salespeople, to the technology people, uh, startups, companies that have been around for 30 years, uh, finance people. Uh, but, but beyond that people that are, you know, do book editing or ghostwriting to, mm -hmm. uh, event people. So just again, a wide variety of guests, that somewhere in there, there's a nugget or two. And, uh, and so that's, that's the show we publish every week, um, on usually on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. I found that, uh, for whatever reason, Thursday seems to be a big day. Um, yeah. I used to publish on Tuesday, but now I'm realizing that I'm studying the stats and there's more stats these days that uh, Thursday is actually my bigger day. Excellent. Yeah. Right from the horse's mouth, right? You're like, you're the marketing person. You did your research and then you found out for your own marketing, right? <laughs> yeah, All exactly. Right. You know, we're like the, uh, the cobbler and his son, right? We're the ones without the shoes. And I've been trying to, I think I might've said, I jokingly said, I've been trying to launch a rebrand re my business and, and launch a new website since, uh, the original target date was January. So here we are. <laughs> March, uh, or I mean, the middle of June, and I'm I'm almost there, but not quite. So it's mm -hmm. the thing that always gets pushed to the side. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a I, I love the show. It's a great show. I got some. I've had some great guests. I've got a, some new guests coming up. Um, I'm excited about uh, uh, you know the future for it, and and been playing with it. And, and a lot of times, I'll take these kinds of conversations that we're having, and I'll turn it into blogs and use the content mm -hmm. to to help market and, and promote the shows because I, I believe in helping you know, my guests and, you know, and the mm -hmm. shows that I'm on. Excellent. Well, I, I recommend to my uh, nerds, in addition to the people skills to focus on the business skills and the strategy uh, as well beyond the technical. I mean, that's what happens when we're moving up in an organization, we need to be able to focus on those levels. So any other business strategy that, that can come up for folks is good listening. I, I recommend uh, if people want to find your podcast or find you, how do they find you out on the internet there? 
Sure. Well, certainly on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? I think everybody, the whole world's on LinkedIn, but the yeah. LinkedIn. Um, I am on Facebook and Twitter, but LinkedIn is my primary vehicle. Mm-hmm. My website is theponzigroup.com. It'll soon be something different, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do a redirect. Good. So we'll be good there. And mm-hmm. then the podcast is called Business Growth Cafe. You can find that on the website or at businessgrowthcafe.com or frankly on any podcast platform that they like to listen to. So from Apple to Android to Alexa to I'm even on, I'm on uh, Amazon, uh, what do you call it? Pandora now? I'm in, oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm on a lot of different ones. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Excellent. So any last words of advice for our nerds in terms of their marketing strategy or improving that? Sure. I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat myself and, and I always do. My, my mantra for many, many, many years has been know your customer. And I think it's important, especially during the development phases that you don't lose sight and you're constantly in communication to who your market is to make sure that while you're in the development stage, things, the, the needs haven't changed in the marketplace and you're developing, developing a product that's not necessarily needed. And I think also at the end of the day, it helps too, because as you're, let's say, dealing with, let's say 10 prospects that you're using as your kind of benchmark and you're also building a relationship. And so when the product comes to market or you're ready for beta testers, there's always a natural opportunity to bring those people in, which of course, if they're beta testers, a good, op- good, op- good chance to end up being your first customer. So I think anytime you can make sure that you're getting feedback from your customer base as you're going along is, is most important. So know your customer and build relationships with them. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And just don't try to sell them, build a relationship. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Angela, for being a guest on Reinventing Nerds. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This has been fun. I, I, I love doing this. And I'm, I, you know, we've recently met and I'm, I'm really pleased you had me on your show. Uh, I think you gave great benefit to our listeners and viewers. And I want to thank them. Also, thank you all for being here on Reinventing Nerds. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. And we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.